So as, as we've been walking through uh, the book of 1 Peter, uh, once again, Peter has written this letter to uh, these, these churches scattered all throughout the known world. And these churches are, are, are one, they're growing, they're new, and they're full of people asking, how do I follow Jesus? And specifically, how do I follow Jesus within the context of, of just culture, when there's a culture that doesn't follow Jesus, what does that look like in my marriage? What does that look like in my business? What does uh, that, that look like in, in regard to politics and everything? And so he's walking through that, and the common theme throughout is how to navigate it when they're suffering. And what we know is that many of them were already dealing with persecution and suffering, but the but the, the really intense suffering and persecution was on its way. It was coming. And, and so he's preparing them for this. And, and we've been walking, this, uh, walking uh, through this together. And, and it's applied to us. We're, we're in a post-Christian culture. Uh, we're in an area that, that uh, you know, many people, they would not identify themselves as a Christian. And those that do often go, well, I don't even fully know what that means, but a lot of other people do, so... I kind of believe in that. And we're stuck going, what does it look like to actually follow him? What does it look like to place my faith, hope and trust in him, and then navigate through life when people aren't agreeing with me, when culture doesn't agree with me, when my family, my employees, my employer, they, they don't agree with me. So how do I navigate that? And, and, and what's important about this section that we're going to look at today is Peter has addressed these churches, and now what he does is he's going to specifically address the leaders. Now, when you think about um, your experiences in life, right, when, and how you view whether it's a church, whether it's an organization, whether it maybe even is like a, a sports team, a lot of times you correlate the success of that to what? The leadership, right? The leadership, and, 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 and a lot of times, the leadership is revealed through uh, challenges, through trials. And so Peter is, is going to address uh, these leaders because he knows if leadership isn't right, nothing else is going to be right. And, and so this is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll, look, we'll start with verses 1 through 3. It says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, if you've been coming and, and you're like, uh, you know, Man, he's preaching at me. When, when, when does it hit him? Well, today is the lucky day. Okay, so he, we, last week we looked at how he, he literally says, judgment is going to first come to the house of God. In other words, the opposition, the trials are first going to impact the house of God, which is what? The church. And so if the house of God is going to be prepared for these trials, the house had better be cleaned up, Right? The house had better be prepared or it's going to fall apart, okay? And, and, and so he's specifically addressing uh, the leaders, the elders of this church. And uh, throughout Scripture, uh, we see that the responsibility of, of, of leadership for the church 
is given under and entrusted to these elders. Now, the first mention of the term elders is in Acts chapter 11, verse 30, where the writer Luke identifies them as the leaders of the Jerusalem church. And then throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we get a a much clearer picture of their role and how they were placed into these uh, seats of authority. Um, in, in fact, we read in Titus and in Acts how they had, had put elders, and when I say elders, it's plural. It wasn't singular, not just one elder. Uh, many of us know that it's just one uh, leader of the whole thing, right? Uh, your problems are going to be the problems of that leader. Uh, and so there's a plurality of elders uh, that we see uh, designated uh, in each of these towns, in each of these churches. In fact, in Acts 14, uh, 23, it says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so, so and, and, and we go, well, what, and maybe you're like, well, what is an elder? Like, what, I've heard that term before. Uh, maybe I visited the website. There they are. Uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? What are the qualifications uh, of, of these elders? So the qualifications for these elders, because once again, just like God has designed leadership and a structure for society to work and to thrive, he's done the same thing within the church. And so he's called and placed uh, these elders, uh, these, these men who are set aside for this task, specifically of leading a local congregation. And, and we see uh, in multiple places the qualifications for these men. We see it in 1 Timothy th- chapter 3, which I'll read in a minute. And then we also see in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. So let me just look so that you can all judge me and the rest of our elders with these qualifications. Amen? In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, these are the qualifications. It says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be the office of overseer, and you see these words used interchangeably throughout Scripture, uh, you'll see overseer, or how we translate that a lot is is bishop. Uh, So you should all be calling me bishop after this. Just kidding. You know, you can call me whatever you want, to be honest. All right, some of you do. And it says, so if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So it's not a bad thing, okay? He desires a noble task. It says, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, With all dignity, keeping his children submissive, which is so easy, for for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So here you go, guys. Here's the list. You have freedom to walk up to any of our elders and just go down that list. Please don't. <laughs> now, here's, here's the reality, okay? I want to be really honest, right? 
none of us are perfect. Okay, none of us are perfect. When he breaks down these characteristics, these should be overall characteristics, right? They, they should be overall characteristics of our lives. Will there be shortcomings? Will there be uh, some areas that aren't as strong as others at different points in time? Will there be struggles? Yes, there will be. Why? Because these elders are all what? They're all human beings, okay? And, and, and so what he's saying is these should not be characteristics of you. This isn't to say that when your child turns three and goes nuts, you shouldn't be an elder anymore. No, that's a season of life. That's a struggle, right? And so it's not saying you're immediately disqualified there. It's not saying you're never going to have a quarrel, right, uh, it, or, or any of those things. But, but it's saying these things should not characterize you. These should not be um, patterns in your life. There's a different standard that you're called to live with and operate with if you are an elder of the church. And so it's helpful for, helpful for you to know these are the things, if we're praying about an elder for our church to be a leader, these are the qualifications we go down. These are the things we drill into. These are the expectations uh, for these individuals. And so I think it's very helpful for us to hear. But I also think, because for some of us, it's like, I don't know why I'm here. Steve, this is for you. You need to hear this. Our elders need to hear this. Here's the reality. Okay, in, in this local context here in the church world, as he's writing this, it's important for us to know that what? Many of these churches are very, very different than like our church here today. In other words, they're churches that started in these homes, right? Uh, they're, they're growing, but, but often not a lot of people are there, especially at this point in time. And so they have this small group of elders who, who could, you know, essentially lead that church. The larger the church gets, the more complex it is, right? When you think of just the role of pastor, guys, there are so many different pastoral roles that people could have in the church world right now. It's insane, okay? And, and we, we see large churches into the thousands and that. What we need to know and understand that there are leadership characteristics that the, based on the size of the church, more and more of us, whether we have the title of elder or not, we may be leading a community in our home. We may be discipling people. Uh, we may be leading a, a youth group. All, all these areas of leadership you will have, and you should still be asking, is my leadership reflecting ultimately who? Jesus. So yes, this is like a, a huge um, challenge, a, a, a huge um, and I would say a huge responsibility for those entrusted to leadership in the church, but it deeply impacts all of us who are trying to live and to lead for Jesus, uh, whether it's within the church or even in our businesses, in our homes outside of the church. And so uh, Peter addresses these spiritual leaders, and I love how he addresses them. He doesn't address them as like, hey, I'm Peter. I'm a spiritual giant. Listen to me. And do what I say. No, how he introduces this is essentially saying, hey, I'm a fellow elder as well. I'm right there with you. Okay, so I'm an elder. This is challenging. I'm facing persecution. And I love the other piece to this that he says. What does he also say? He says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Okay, so, so what he's helping them to understand right now is 
the guidance that I'm giving you in how you are called to lead, I personally watched Jesus lead while he suffered with these characteristics. I watched him go through this. I watched Jesus be spit upon. I watched him suffer. I watched him be wrongly accused. I watched all of these things happen, and yet I saw him lead us through it. And for Peter, I mean, this is touching, right, on some things, because Peter did what? Peter failed. Peter failed multiple times. And so he's like, listen, I'm a fellow elder. I'm not perfect, but I have watched and witnessed Jesus walk through this. And so I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna tell you about these key things, these key components that have to be happening in your church under your leadership. And these are the things that Christ modeled and demonstrated in his own life. And he says, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he says, I'm also a fellow partaker of the glory when Christ returns. And that's what he's talking about. Throughout First Peter, I love it. It continues to point us back to what? The return of Christ. It continues to remind us that that's coming. Are, are, are you ready? Are you focused? Are, are, are you living in light of that? And he challenges the leaders here. Remember, he's coming back in glory. It's gonna be incredible. So have your minds and your hearts fixed on that. Then we see what? He says to them, first thing, shepherd the flock. He says shepherd the flock. Now, if you're, if you're familiar or have a background in church, you're, you're probably um, familiar with how the Bible uses the example of the shepherd and the sheep. Who are the sheep? Great, none of you are familiar with that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so to be honest, we're kind of painted with an unflattering picture in scripture. We are called sheep, right? And, um, and, and, and then the, the spiritual leaders of the church are, the elders are called to, it says, shepherd the sheep that's been entrusted to you. And so, so we see this example, and ultimately, Jesus is the chief shepherd, okay? So, so Jesus is the perfect example of what this looks like. That's why Peter reminds them of Jesus first and foremost. But then he says, listen, I want you to think, and in their culture, they could easily associate with the imagery here, with the example. And he says, you need to shepherd the sheep that have been entrusted to your care. And so, so what are those tasks? What does it look like to shepherd the sheep? And, and, and so the first thing that, that we know and understand from a shepherd is a shepherd had to protect the sheep, didn't they? So a shepherd was there and tasked with keeping the, the sheep safe. And so a shepherd oftentimes would go before the sheep and they would make sure that where they were leading them to was safe, whether it's um, poisonous plants or, or predators that were around, they would go and they would make sure that the sheep were, were prepared and that they were safe from that potential danger. And he says, as a spiritual leader, you need to do the same thing. Okay, you need to go before the sheep. You need to guard and protect the sheep that have been entrusted into your care. And then 
Um, another piece to that is we see that the shepherd, as they would lead the sheep, they not only would lead in protecting the sheep, but they would lead in providing. In other words, they would lead the sheep from green pasture to green pasture, wouldn't they? So what does this speak to? They also were to lead in how they fed the sheep. Guys, one of the things that, that we have to do, be careful of, especially right now in our culture, and I have to guard my heart from this, is we can quickly become uh, so consumed with speaking against all the evil. Uh, in other words, you need to be protected and guarded, and that's bad, and that's bad, and that's bad, and that's sin, and that's sin, and that's sin. And we can be so consumed with what we shouldn't be doing and guarding and protecting ourselves that we're actually starting to starve ourselves because we're not feeding on anything. And so we have to make sure, yes, that we're, that we're able to develop and guard and protect uh, from, 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 from all these things that are in opposition to the will and the work and the way of God, but we also have to make sure that we're actually being fed, that we're actually going into green pastures, right? That's one of the, the beauties of going verse by verse, right? It, it honestly... It, it, it forces me to address certain topics that I'm like, no, nope, don't want to talk about that. In fact, this is a classic case in point. Why would I talk about this today, right? And so we look at this, and, and so their, their job was to, to lead, to, to help provide uh, the food for uh, the sheep. And we see also that sheep were prone to wander off. Now, I know that that's none of us in this room, right? I know from personal experience that I don't naturally fall into God. I find that I naturally, left to myself, fall away from him. And that's a continual temptation, isn't it? For all of us, whether it's in what we say, what we do, how we live, uh, even like church, right? How many times have you been like, man, it's been a couple weeks, and your spouse is like, yeah, it's been a couple months, and you're like, hmm, whew. How quickly, oh, I, man, I didn't, I didn't get to spend time with God the last three days. How quickly that becomes a month, doesn't it? And so we naturally wander off. We naturally fall away. And so a shepherd, part of their role is to, when the sheep wander off, is to do their best. And it can be difficult in a large church, but you do your best to try to find those sheep and draw them back in and love them well, encourage them back into the community. And so that is a challenge. And, and, but we see that that's so important. And that plays out in, in different ways, right? Because certain sheep we would see, like if a sheep was wounded or hurt, a lot of times a shepherd in that culture would literally pick the sheep up and carry it uh, if it needed special attention. And guys, guess what? What we see modeled with Jesus and even Paul in the New Testament is we see individuals who, who spoke to multitudes. I mean, Jesus spoke to multitudes, and yet what? He took time for Nicodemus. He took time for this woman at the well, right? And so it wasn't just about the multitudes and the crowds. We see them go after and lead and take time for the individual needs of the sheep. What makes this so challenging, and I'll just be blunt with you, right? What makes it so challenging as an elder here at this church is the continual tension that there is with my desire for the church and the understanding that the church isn't mine. Because what is he very clear about? The flock belongs to who? 
God. It does not belong to me. In fact, my title, which isn't so cool, is technically an under-shepherd, right? That's not a far cry from underpants. That's not like, that's not like great, right? Like, we're not like, wow, you want to be an under-shepherd. In fact, it might be good for us to train people that want to be pastors to say, hey, so you want to be an under-shepherd, huh? Yeah, um, to help think about the ramifications. But that, that's ultimately the calling because there is a chief shepherd, right? Like, like the, the flock is on loan. Uh, in fact, the flock has been purchased already in Acts 20, 28. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Okay, so, so the struggle is, and this is a struggle in all of us, right? We want the church to do what we want it to do. And as a leader uh, being called to lead the church, the temptation and the thing that I have to guard against is I want to do this, but God, they're your sheep. This is your church. This is your flock. So what do you want us to do, God? What do you want us to do? And I have to be submissive in that. Our elder team has to be submissive in that to the owner of the sheep. And what we see as well is this. One day, elders are going to give an account for how they led in their church, in the ministry that God has assigned them. In fact, we, we see it twofold. We see the sheep are going to be held accountable to how they followed the shepherd, and the shepherd's going to be held accountable for how they led. In fact, in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, so here is an important reminder. Every elder, every leader, every person actually, but more so these elders and leaders, they're gonna have to give an account for how they led. Now, why do I specifically hit on that this morning? One of the reasons why is for some of us, we are wounded, aren't we? We're hurt. We feel beaten down. We're confused. We feel manipulated based upon leadership that did not model what Peter is, is calling church leaders to model. And so, and so we felt the opposite. Anything that we've read about church leaders, we go like this and, and, and we distrust and, and, and all of that because we've seen what they're really like. We've experienced things that are awful. And guys, I've been there. I've experienced a lot of awful things as well. But I do know this. I have to make a choice to ultimately say that person was never the chief shepherd anyway. And that person's going to be held accountable to God for how they led. And so I have to be able to get to the point where I don't allow this under shepherd to have authority over my walk with Jesus anymore. Amen. And so you've got to, you've got to walk through that. There's got to be a process there of healing for some of us, uh, because I know that some of us have been damaged by that. And so Peter then shares with these leaders how they are to shepherd. And he says this, first and foremost, he says, you're to oversee the sheep. Okay, so, so they're to watch over the sheep. 
uh, to lead, to guard, and then to, as we talked about there, to feed those sheep. Now, now the importance here is a shepherd in any church, elders in any church, they need to be proactive in trying to, as best they can, understand, they have to understand the state of their church, the undercurrents, what's going on, so they can effectively lead that church during, especially right now, challenging times. And so they have to be able to do that. And then he says, and, and this is a warning, he says, you need to be aware of these pitfalls, these dangers that are going to be a part of leading. And, and, and I think what really stands out to me is how he's warning them here about these dangers, these pitfalls. And, 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 and like I said, a lot of these churches are very small at, at, at this point. And, 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 and I think what, why that is helpful for us today is how many times have, have we romanticized, well, if that didn't work out there, if I was at a church of this size, everything would be okay. We have, haven't we? And we've like, like this size, not that size. Well, that happened because they're like that, right? And, and, and what we do is we, we create this like, um, only certain churches are gonna struggle with certain things. You guys, when we read the New Testament, we see this warning to churches that are in all these different places. Some of them are tiny, uh, meeting in these homes. Some of them are larger, growing, expanding. You guys, nobody, regardless of the size of church, nobody is beyond these pitfalls. Okay, no, no leader, no pastor, no elder is above these pitfalls. And the, the reason I know that is, one, I grew up in the church, um, and I've, I've worked uh, at churches of crazy different sizes. And, 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 and some people have gone up to me and said, man, what was it like there? And what was it like there? And I'm like, honestly, the same problems were in both. The same challenges, the same pitfalls, they just look a little different. And so we need to know that, uh, that those pitfalls are, are anywhere, right? Um, I mean, guys, we have so many churches in this community. It's like Baskin-Robbins for churches. I mean, whatever flavor you want, whatever size you want, you could, you could probably find it. Um, but I would challenge you to never go to a church, even this one, thinking that because of a size or, or that, then, then it's just going to be okay. We're all human, and regardless of how many elders uh, or, or, or how many members or how many people, we all are susceptible to these pitfalls. And so what are these pitfalls that he uh, shares? Well, the first warning is shepherding under compulsion rather than willingly, he says. Okay, now this is something that just personally I'm, I'm, I'm just really passionate about. Um, he's saying here that, that the shepherds should be diligent, not lazy. They should be diligent, not lazy. They should be motivated to shepherd, to lead from the heart, from what God's done in their heart, from the calling on their heart, on their life, rather than the obligation, or even worse yet, being forced to. Okay, so, so every elder of this church, and we gotta be held to the standard, and, and this is the, the standard that I gotta be held with. Am I, am I, am I leading diligently, willingly, uh, from the heart, from the calling, or is this an obligation, right? Is this just this thing that, oh God, I gotta go do that again. 
Well, someone's got to preach to him. I guess I'll do it. How much longer, God? Oh, so-and-so's got a problem again. I better be there for him. No. Or, or, or what all can I get away with not doing to enjoy this life? Because what do pastors do anyway, right? And I know some that unfortunately are incredibly lazy. And so we have to ask, he says, listen, you gotta guard your heart from just doing what is required, just doing because of obligation. And you should be doing this because of the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life, the calling for this leadership that you have been placed here to shepherd this body. And so it should be something that excites you. It should be something that gives you passion that you care deeply about. The second danger that the shepherd must avoid is the temptation to be motivated by money. Covetousness, right? And, 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 and one of the, the things, once again, that's so interesting about this is I go, man, like, it's not like they just had all this money. They were just flush with cash, you know, as these churches are starting. But it's a reminder that, listen, um, being motivated by money isn't connected with the amount of money that you have. Okay, I, I know rich people that are not motivated by money. I know people that have hardly any money that are consumed with getting money. Okay, so, so what he's saying is, listen, you're gonna be leaders in this church. You're gonna come across money. And he's not saying, hey, you're not worthy. You shouldn't get paid. No, in fact, we see uh, throughout scripture, 1 Timothy, 1 Corinthians, we see that the workman is worthy of their wages. The elders should be, the, the specific elders should be uh, paid and taken care of there. But he's saying that shouldn't be what motivates you. And, 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 and he's literally saying, regardless of how much, this is going to be a temptation and a pitfall that you're gonna have to navigate through and lead well through as a shepherd, as a leader. And so you gotta guard and protect your heart from that. And so as, as, as elders, as, as a leader, I have to guard and protect my heart uh, from, from being consumed with a paycheck, right? Um, and he even talks about not just like being consumed and motivated by money, but he says what there? He says shamefully, shamefully. In other words, you are going to face temptation as a leader to shamefully gain finances. Guys, you know what's so sad? I don't have to tell you that, do I? You've got all the headlines, you've got all the podcasts in the world to see that this is a common pitfall. Some of you are here in this room because of one of these things happened at a church you were at. And I have experienced this myself in seeing a leader steal a lot of money. And it's really, really tough to navigate. And he says, you're not above that. Those sheep are not for you to use or manipulate or steal or fleece. And so that cannot be your motivating factor, guys. You gotta guard our hearts. And this is everybody. Like money's not a bad thing in scripture. It just continues to reinforce that it is something that can be all-consuming if you're not careful. And he says, as a leader, you need to guard your heart because all of a sudden, you will become what's called a hired hand and not a, a shepherd anymore. And so, so what, what is that? Well, 
what we read in scripture, a hired hand uh, is not a shepherd. A hired hand, when it gets difficult, uh, when the journey is hard, when there's opposition, a hired hand bails. A shepherd leads the sheep. In John chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, we see Jesus say this, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus says, this is the model. This is the example. This is not how you lead. Okay? This can't be the motivating factor. Money cannot be the thing. You can't be shepherding and leading for a paycheck. That can't be uh, your motivating factor. And Peter's like, please get this because trials are coming. And when they come and your church looks to you for leadership, if you're a hired hand, if you're consumed by money and that church no longer has anything to offer you a benefit, you will leave. And those poor people are going to be left to figure this out. They're going to be scattered and they are going to be picked apart just like the analogy of the wolf. Guys, that's right now in our culture. It's right now. I got friends in different parts of the country and I'm pleading with them to come back to church. I'm pleading with them to make Jesus a priority again. And they're so hurt, they're wounded because of some spiritual leader. Which goes into the next warning. It says, finally, those called to shepherd must guard against a domineering leadership style. So, so any kind of oppressive, manipulating, and intimidating leadership from the spiritual leaders of the church, that is wrong. It is wrong. It is not okay. It is not in alignment with how Jesus led. And, and, and so Peter is contrasting what leadership looks like uh, for them. Remember, the shepherd didn't drive the sheep and beat the sheep and manipulate the sheep, right? Like, um, he didn't do that, okay? Uh, I remember when we had our dogs, and our dogs would not like the pills that they were to take, so what do you do, right? You cake the pill in peanut butter. At least that's what we did. And that dog just, done, right? Fantastic. It was like a miracle. Our vet used cheese whiz one time, blew our minds to watch the animals just take it, right? <laughs> this, this, this is not about manipulating them to go where you want them to go. This is not about dominating and dictating the direction uh, in, for people's lives uh, and, 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 and those things. In, in, in fact, uh, it, it's, the, it's the opposite. The shepherd actually went before the sheep. The shepherds were the example to the sheep. They provided an example of how you lead, uh, of how you serve, and, and ultimately it was to be a reflection of Jesus. And, and what was the standard Jesus set? Well, let's go back in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. It says this, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's leadership, isn't it? So, so what Jesus is saying is, listen, what has historically defined great leaders, and, and, and we're talking in the Roman Empire and everything else, is their ability to manipulate, to dominate, to get people to fall in line with their will. It is so sad that you see those same characteristics being applied in churches today. It's so sad that, 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 that people are, and, and, and what breaks my heart is especially when it's a new believer, someone that doesn't even know any better, and all of a sudden, a pastor walks up to them, and, 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 and they're just like, oh my goodness, this pastor, hi pastor, or hi elder, or that, and the pastor's like, listen, you're gonna call me this name. And yes, I do have spiritual authority over you. God has placed me to be in authority over you. And so you need to quit doing that. You need to do that. And you need to, do, and you need to serve every day of the week. And it's going to look like this for you. And they just run them into the ground to fulfill what they want them to fulfill, right? And spiritual manipulation a lot of times. And it's sad and it's dangerous. And he says, you guys are going to be given this, this seat of leadership. And people are going to look to you in their fragile state, in their, in their state of, of, of trauma, in their state of, of loss, in their state of grief, in, in their state of their greatest places of vulnerability. They're going to come to you and look to you. And you have got to guard against a domineering leadership style. That is not okay Jesus is the one in the room that got down and washed the feet. Jesus modeled something totally different and said, this will not characterize the leaders of my church. And then we read in verse four here, as he finishes this section, it says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Once again, what does he do? Guys, Jesus is coming back. The chief shepherd's coming. The chief shepherd's coming, and the chief shepherd is going to evaluate and reward the work that you're doing. He sees it. He knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles uh, that you're facing and how difficult that can be. Uh, he, he knows that weight, and, and, and he sees you, and you're going to receive this crown of unfading glory. And, and in those days, they didn't give a medal uh, for those that uh, succeeded in an athletic event. Uh, they would give a crown, and oftentimes it was, it was a plant, right? And and that plant would obviously not last. And, and whatever it was, it would not last. And so he says what God's going to bring when he returns and we go with him to glory is something that will be unfading. And so, and so you, you know that you live in light of that. That's the reward. That's the motivator. Jesus is the rewarder. He's the motivator. All of these other things are not what need to be motivating you to lead the flock of Jesus Christ. And so, and so once again, we're confronted with what am I doing this for? Whose reward am I seeking? Am I doing this for a, an empire that I want to build? A platform that I want to have? The applause of specific people? Because all of those things will fade away. And guys, it's even more tempting, I would say, now than it was then to go after these things because social media has just highlighted and created this just incredible um, place for, for literally pastors to build themselves up. 
And so that's a challenge. I mean, this, this, this is a warning before book deals. This is a warning before thousands of followers. This is a warning before mega churches. This is a warning for every local church leader. And guys, the motivating factor, I know that has to be for me, and then that has to be for you is this. Guys, we are gonna stand before Jesus. And ultimately, all that matters is this. Him saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That is it. That is the only that is the only face I should be focused on pleasing. Guys, I know I can't please all of you. Some of you like me today and you're gonna not like me next week. <laughs> and, and so I can't let you be my source of motivation, my source of pride, my source of, oh, I'm doing it right. It's gotta be service is done under the Lord. And guys, in your families, in your place of work, the people that surround you, that's all that matters. Is Jesus saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. When you stand before him, whatever praise you got, whatever acknowledgement it was, it's not gonna matter at all. And guess what's really cool? The unfading crown of glory, all these, these gifts that he's gonna bless us with. You know what the best part of it all is that we read in scripture? These are things that we actually get to give back to him in worship. Isn't that amazing? So these gifts that, that he's given us, when we stand before him, we're, we're not gonna be sitting here going, <laughs> finally, you saw that? Yeah, I dealt with them for you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I had to, God, you know, just for you. Thank you for finally. No, I, you and I, we're gonna be so consumed with God, with this incredible, all-powerful, all-loving God, that whatever he gives, we are literally just gonna go, thank you, let me worship you. Just let me worship you. Worship you. That's it. That's the standard. That's how we're called to lead. I pray that we model that. I pray we lead in that way. And guys, we're not gonna be perfect. None of us are gonna be perfect. But I pray that that's what we're striving for as a church. And I pray that that's the environment. I pray that any leader of this church is not in the back pushing people forward, but leading and feeding and guarding and protecting the sheep that God has entrusted to us because you are so important to God. He loves you so much and he does not wanna see you wander off. He's the one who leaves the 99 and goes to get the one, amen? Let's pray.